If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Lori Harvey and Chris Sowell coming up in a little bit. But first, I am joined by my co-host this week. She is the editor and publisher of SwankyMaven.com. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, 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 hey. I'm good. Got Swank, Eric? I, well, I have you. Does that count? That counts. That counts. All right, good. Yeah. All right. Before we dive into the news of the week, I know you have a bit of a bone to pick with me, and I want to give you a platform. We We have talked privately about Culture Maps list of Houston's top 100 restaurants, but you have not been on the show since I published that a few weeks ago, and I know you have a minor complaint. So I do, I do, and and I will say this is a I know what it is, and it is a popular complaint. So on behalf of all y'all, go ahead and go ahead and go ahead and voice it. Okay. Now, I know people are probably like excited, like, oh my God, I get to have this conversation. The top 100 list, Eric, you did a great job. Thank you. I thought it was wonderful. Um, You know, I could go one or two different, right? Maybe change spaces. I know you've heard that. So we're just going to leave that alone. We're going to leave the one through 90-ish for the people. That's, it is what it is. I have an issue with your personal 10. Now, if people read the companion piece, you will know like the last 10 were kind of his personal favorites. Yes. Right. And some of them I knew. Right. Paulie's, Kenny and Ziggy's. These are not surprises to anyone who knows me. Well, even 369 Chinese Oriental Bistro. Right. If you know me well, then you know that is my go-to divey Chinese spot for things like General Tso's chicken right, right. and fried dumplings. Right. So, you know, everybody needs their thing. I'm not even going there with you. That's, hey, you got it. All right. But tell the, tell the people where you are. My now. issue with you is when you picked Papacitos as your Tex-Mex. I literally, and we talk about it. You, you, I know you like Papacitos. And I, hey, I like Papacitos. So don't come, don't add me, people. I like Papacitos. But for it to make the top 100 over El Tiempo, I don't know what you're on. That is like. Right. You're an El Tiempo. I am. Super fan. I, a super fan. And you, you stan El Tiempo, as the kids say. Right. Bleed it. Right. If you're, if it's one or the other, team El Tiempo. I, I don't understand what you're on that you picked Papacitos over it. Well, I will say I have been to El Tiempo 
many times over the years, including the run-up, like in the research process, the eating to create the list. I went back to El Tiempo deliberately to sort of refresh myself. I just think it's too expensive for what you get. I just, I can't get over it. And and the thing that rankles me in particular is I like fajitas and the fajita platters don't come with guacamole. You have to pay extra for that. That, that is extremely annoying to me. Okay. So that is, it is what it is. Your point of contention is the price. Now I will say. Not that Papacitos is cheap. I just think it's a better value. It's a better, right. Okay. If we're going value, that's correct. Go, go right ahead and go with value. But when you're talking fajitas, I don't care about value. I want it to taste good. If I want that guac, pay the extra for the guac and have a good day. Because here's the thing. And people that are Papacitos people will agree. When you go to El Tiempo, you can get the steak and the chicken. That chicken is going to be just as moist and juicy every single time. No, 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 no. Come on now. See? You you want to go beef to beef with me? Okay, maybe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But there is not a better chicken fajita than that butter-drenched, whatever magic love that they put on it at Papacitos. There's, there's not a better piece of grilled chicken in this city. Okay, so see, we're not going to solve this today. We're not. Um, I need y'all to weigh in. I need for you guys to flood Eric's DMs. <laughs> And let us know. I mean, I just want to know. I I had a debate with someone a week ago. Eric, of course, voted to try to help them win. Right. They didn't win. I just want to know if other people have this issue with it. It is. I will tell you the 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 two most frequent complaints about the top 100 are where the hell is El Tiempo and what happened to Blood Brothers. Yeah. And I will say. To that, not an El Tiempo fan. Just it was it was never going to be on on my list. As for the Blood Brothers, I have nine other barbecue joints on there. I just didn't feel like I had room for a tenth. Got it. But They're honorary. But honorary. no, no. I mean, I love those guys. Yeah. I think what they do is super creative. I want it to be a little bit more consistent, visit to visit. Yeah. And I will likely have a spot for them in 2020. That's fair. That's fair. I'll let you make it on the Blood Brothers. Uh, El Tiempo, no sir. El Tiempo, no. Never, no, ever. No, ever. Mm-mm. Just say, all right. You good? I'm good. I'm good. We, I don't, I think we'll agree to disagree on that. Um, Next time we go out to eat, though, I think, you know what? I'm not good. We should do a chicken to chicken. We, we should go and oh, go to both. A, a bang bang? We should do a bang bang. All right. El yeah. Tiempo. All right, the next time you're on the show, that'll be our that'll be our restaurant of the week. We'll go to both of them. We will, yes. And rate them. Right, that's fair. Fair, All right. okay. All right, let us move on to the news of the week. Topic number one, El Topo, the food truck that ranks number 50 on Culture Map's list of Houston's 100 best restaurants, is soon to have a brick-and-mortar home. They have signed a lease for the former Pizza Modus space in West U. Felice, I, I mean, I am a huge El Topo fan, as anyone who follows me on Instagram knows. How are you? How do you feel about El Topo? Well, 
I am super excited. Tony's so cute. I mean, you didn't ask me that. Um, I'm super excited. The food is so good. He's so cute and just a very nice person. So yeah. Tony, I, Tony Lerman, the chef, the yes. one of the owners of El Topo. Yes. Um, I'm excited. I think it's a good move. I think, um, and for me, I'll get there more because it's like I hardly, rarely right. get over to the market. I right. They are, they are most frequently found on Saturday mornings at the Urban Harvest Farmer's Market from 8 a.m. to noon, which if you live inside the loop, okay. If you don't, good luck, uh, especially for someone like you who lives out on the west side. Right. And also, I mean, the odds that you, that's the only thing you have to do on a Saturday or that your schedule allows you to do that on a Saturday, slim. But if you have six days a week or seven days a week when you could theoretically be considering El Topo and it's going to be open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right, the frequency with which you eat that food is going to increase, I right. think. I think it's a service to the city um, that we are able to have this food more often. And it opens it up for more fans, right? For people, because what he does is very unique. I mean, he's um, local. He wants great ingredients. It's it's a thing. Like the tacos won't get made if he can't get what he needs to to do his thing. So I just think it's a great service for food lovers and for the city. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see what they do in terms of expanding the menu. Obviously, the number of dishes you can serve on a taco truck is pretty limited. Uh, the number of dishes you can serve in a restaurant is much greater. And they have some thoughts about a more elevated dinner experience, plated entrees, obviously not just tacos. And they kind of want to broaden what they do, right? They're, they're known for Mexican, uh, but they want to do some more Texan stuff. They want to do what they call frontier cooking, which, you know, even if that's just like a cast iron seared steak of you know whatever i'm in for i'm in for all of those things um yeah i just i'm i'm really excited to to watch how they kind of evolve the concept and grow it yeah me too all right topic number two big news speaking of mexican restaurants hugo ortega and tracy vaught the james beard warning chef James Beard award-winning chef, easy for me to say, <laughs> and his wife, a James Beard semifinalist for Outstanding Restaurateur. They have a new restaurant in the works. Uh, they have taken over the recently shuttered Cafe Express space in Uptown Park. They are not saying when this restaurant will open or what its concept will be, but the rumor is that it is a more casual, taco-oriented restaurant i mean that's what they do though right like well so i mean that's they keep it so, a secret right well they they, they do they don't they don't tell they don't say anything about what they're doing until like a week before it opens and then they're like kabam here it all right, is we're ready and they did that with caracol and they did that with uh sochi, sochi and i'm sure they'll do it again with whatever this is and you know when they opened hugo's more than 10 years ago you know, nobody, nobody knew. And, and it didn't, it wasn't the same kind of media environment. Right. It wasn't a thing like, okay, there's an open there. Okay, cool. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Now they, everyone's trying to figure it out. Right. So, 
so let me just put it to you like this. Is it, if it is a casual taco spot, would that interest you? Are you excited about that? It would, because I think um, they could do casual well, even though their other concept, you know, like their backstreet, it's not casual, but it's it feels casual, if that makes sense. It feels very inviting. It's a fun atmosphere. I feel like I can just go in there and chill and have a good time. And the space that they're going in, I don't know how much they're going to change it. I think in that Uptown Park space, I like going, chilling, hanging out, maybe walking to um, go to a different shop. And I would love to see that from Hugo's. I would love to see them just kind of chill and what that looks like from them, right? What is casual Mexican um, maybe Tex-Mex, maybe street tacos. What does that look like? Well, and and I think that is exactly why I'm so excited about this. It's because there are tacos on the menu at Hugo's and Caracol and Sochi, but they're easy to overlook with everything else that's that's there, and they're always excellent, right? right. They they make obviously they make their own tortillas. You know the there's goat at Sochi, there's carnitas at Hugo's, there's a lobster taco at Caracol. I mean, they are outstanding examples in their own right. So give them a permanent home and pride of place. And, you know, I don't think it has to be the star, right? Right. Where they get to be the star. Right. Backed up by the margaritas that they're already doing at all their restaurants. It's, you know, plus some beer and maybe, you know, like a tidy little wines by the glass program i'm in sign me up that's what i said roll me just roll me from one side of the restaurant to the next i'm i'm there and and worth noting this is part of a host of changes at uptown park right where flower child opened last year mendocino farms opens this week the rustic is on its way this new restaurant is on its way maris grill the new restaurant from jay alexander's is taking the uh anejo space so Uptown Sushi remodeled, McCormick and Schmicks changed its name to M&S Seafood. There's a lot. There's a lot going on at Uptown Park at a time when that needs to happen because there's so much dynamic, like, you know, River Oaks District is, is slammed as a new kind of dining option. You know, Boulevard Place has its restaurants like North and Ninfa's. So, you know, Uptown Park, if it wants to stay relevant, had to do something and... I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than a new restaurant from Hugo and Tracy. I agree. I agree. I think, um, you know, this we talk about all these spaces and you always phrase it. Is there room for more in Houston of this or that? There's room for that. Right. Like, oh, it, yeah. hundred percent. We need it. Like, it's crazy to say we need it, but we need it. We do. We need right. that. There's room for. New Hugo Ortega restaurants, and there's always room for good tacos. Right. We need it. That's that's It's done. <laughs> All right. Topic number three, Kevin Floyd. He was kind of the, you know, Kevin Floyd. Kevin was the kind of the guy behind the guy who helped Bobby Hugo get Anvil open, and then all of those downtown bars in Julep, and then he was Chris Shepard's business partner, helped get Underbelly opened, oversaw Hay Merchant, oversaw UB, you know, helped get uh, UB Preserve and One Fifth and George James Open. He's kind of taken, he took a step back about a year ago. 
He's stepping out. He's stepping up. Right. He was the guy behind the guy. Now he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy. The guy. Right. <laughs> uh, with a new concept called Shoot the Moon, opening in Spring Branch sometime next year. Here's the twist, right? It will, it's, it'll feature pizza, small plates, sandwiches, all the usual stuff. But the twist is that diners will be able to pour their own alcohol via a tap system. So you'll have beer, wine, cocktails, and, and spirits, like straight pours. Have you experienced this? This is Apparently, this is a trend around the country. It only recently became legal in Texas. Have you experienced this? I haven't, but I think about, when I think of it, it's like, how lucky did we get? I'm, I'm super excited. I, <laughs> I'm like going, I have not seen the trend, Eric, but I welcome the trend. I welcome it here. Um, I welcome this new spot being in Spring Branch. All those things. Like, I think it's very cool. The spirits, um, cocktails. I can't wait to, you know, kind of experience how that looks, how it gets executed. Um, and hopefully I will get to see it somewhere before hours open so I can have something to compare it to. Right. I, I think part of what's interesting about this tap system that he's going to design is that he can he can kind of take a page from the old Anvil playbook and do a couple of higher-end spirits at or close to cost. So he mentioned Krug Champagne specifically, which is epically delicious. But if you want to go, even to go into a retail store and buy a bottle off the shelf, you know, is 200 bucks. Right. So, but maybe if it's, you know, just for the sake of the argument, maybe it's $20 an ounce, right? So you can have, you can treat yourself to a couple of ounces. Right just to try it, just to say that you've had it and then either feel better, like feel better about going into a store and buying that $200 bottle or be like, nah, not for me. Right. Right. And, and that goes for, for premium spirits that goes for kind of rare craft beers. Like maybe, maybe you don't want to commit to a pint of some like super boozy stout, right? Maybe you only want four ounces. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited He's working with uh, Dax McInair, who was at, at Trinity. He was the, the chef at Hay Merchant. He worked on the line at Underbelly. He's worked for Monica Pope and Ryan Perra. I mean, Dax is, Dax is a veteran chef who's been kind of laying low in corporate jobs since he started a family, but he'll be back out in front. And I'll be super curious to see what they do with the pizzas and the small plates and all that, but, but it really is that, that pour-it-yourself pour it tap system that's going to set Shoot the Moon apart. Yep, I'm excited. I can't wait. All right. And then topic number four, the most read story on Culture Map last week, the news that Landry's and its owner slash CEO, Tillman Fertitta, has purchased Del Frisco's restaurants for an undisclosed amount. Uh, this, this is like, so this means that Landry's now has like six high-end steakhouses. Right, because in addition to Del Frisco's, they have Morton's, they have Vic and Anthony's, they have uh, Mastro's, they have Brenner's. I want to say there's one more. This is this is where show prep comes in, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but so anyway, so 
So, but even so, in the immediate area of the Galleria, there's a Morton's at Post Oak and Westheimer. Right. There's Del Frisco's in the Galleria, and there's Mastro's in the Post Oak Hotel. So, three upscale steakhouses, all with slightly different atmospheres within a mile of each other. Uh, this is kind of what Tillman is known for, right? Del Frisco's has been, you know, it declining stock price. Struggling. It, it, it went, it got bought by a private equity firm. And so the private equity firm then is selling, like keeping, they, they had an affiliated concept called Bartaco. The, the private equity firm is keeping that and they sold Del Frisco's. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Are you, what, what, how do you feel about land when Landry's takes over established restaurants? Okay. Normally I would say, I'm glad that you asked. Our, that our commoners have strong, have strong feelings. About right. This. I was going to say, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. However, it's Del Frisco. So they need some of that. They need some of the Tillman. They need magic. some of that operational expertise. Right. They to need get there. some of that get but to get back to their glory days. So in this, instance i'm like all for it but usually i'm like eh because they've taken over places where it's just kind of changed right yeah right now i i was on the cleverly show last weekend and i know cleverly is very close to arthur moradian who's the i mean he was the general manager of the del frisco's double eagle steakhouse in the galleria for a long time now he's got more of like a a regional manager type position. Mm-hmm. She said Arthur is staying with the company and oh, is very good. excited. I like him. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. And he's, he kind of is Del Frisco's at least locally for most locally, people. Yes. So if Arthur's in, I'm in, and it'll just be a question of, you know, how do you make that in the face of all this competition from your corporate siblings, from stake 48, from everything else, how do you stay relevant? Right. That's going to be the hard job. For me, I think that's going to be hard for them. Right. Because if you rank them, I think Del Frisco's is only higher than Martin's for me on that list. And we're talking about in this immediate area, the Galleria area. Well, So I would have it. So, all right. Well, there's also the Capitol Grill. Oh, and okay. True Lux and the Palm. I would have it ahead of all of those. Yeah. Uh, I would have had it ahead of Smith and Walensky, but of course that closed a while ago. Yeah, I it's somewhere in the middle for me. Right. Right. Out of his group, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see if they can move up the list. But, you know, it'll be a fun thing to to try because in this city, we like steak. We do. <laughs> we like a lot of steak. So, yeah, I, I want to see what they do with it and... It could only get better. All right. That does it for our news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Felice, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk about uh, two, not exactly new establishments, but two establishments with new directions, let's just say. Yeah. Right? The first is One Fifth Gulf Coast. This is the... This is the fourth iteration of one-fifth, or if you want to shorten that, it's four-fifths, <laughs> right? Uh, See what you did there. Right. So so this is this is kind of Chris Shepard going, to a certain extent, back to his roots, right? He, he came up through Brennan's, and so doing Gulf Coast food is kind of 
you know, how we got to start. Um, let me just throw it to you. What did you, what did you think? Cause I, cause I would say we had a pretty good dinner. It's so funny. I'm glad that you say this was the one I was the most excited about when I knew he was doing all of them because that's his shit, right? Like that's, that it's, that's it. He gets excited about it. So I wanted to see how he imagined it at this point of his career. And I thought it was done very well. See, that's so funny because I came at it from the other perspective, which is I really liked Mediterranean because it was so different for him. It was him stretching out into a style of food that he hadn't cooked before. So I was like one fifth Gulf coast. Yeah. This is the food he knows. Like, I'm sure it'll be good, but like, he knows how to do this. This is this is him like taking it easy, and I will say that's not really the case. This is a very ambitious take on Gulf Coast. It is because think about it. Like think like he's always done it, but look how far removed he's kind of been from it over the last couple of years. So even though he 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 he's not removed all the way, but for him to have a whole concept. He can lean into it, and I feel like we, you know, we kind of talked to him about it. That he put his whole foot, he put his stank in it, baby, all the way. Like he's <laughs> feeling it, and I love to go to restaurants and see if I can taste that or see the excitement in the menu or the food if it's imagined like that. And I think it is all the way down to the hush puppies. Like I'm like, yeah, geez. I mean, hush puppies <laughs> are a very simple thing. Right. These are these have a little bit of jalapeno in them for a little heat. And then they come with this great ham that they're making in house. Right. And it just, you know, they're just they're fried well. Right. They're crispy. They're soft in the middle. The ham is like salty and fatty and delicious. It's it's a simple thing, but it's done very well. It's done very well. And for people that want. And then I thought it was smart, like these little things where people like hush puppies like, oh, I, I want mine sweet. Well, some people put. They make them really sweet. What he does, he gives you the option, like he said. You can have the ham and add a little saltiness to it. The bottom, the little um, sauce at the bottom gives you a little bit of sweetness. So if you don't want that, it's... So I just think it's really smart. Something simple as Hush Puppy. All right, so we had smoked chicken gumbo. You are the ultimate gumbo snob. How did they do? I enjoyed it. Now, I will say... You know, even though I'm a gumbo snob, some people are like traditionalists, and I am that. But I love to get people's take on the gumbo, long as it has a good flavor, the roux's right. And he does something with that gumbo. You and I both were like, I think we took the first bite at the same time. And we were like, huh. Right. It sort of starts <laughs> like dark and smoky, and then it finishes kind of with like a little bit of an acidic tang. Like it's sort of bright and fresh and, and kind of alleviates some of the, the smoky, right? It, it lightens it up a little bit. So we said, well, what did you, like, what did you, what did you, it was like tomato. And he's like, no, it was like vinegar. He's like, yes. Like, yeah. Aha. And, and it's perfect because like you said, that smokiness with that smoked chicken, it could be for someone like, oh, it's too smoky. If that was the only, you know, the only note. But that that way the way it finishes, ah, oh, so smart. I right. love it. Uh, 
I do want to just talk about a couple of other dishes, those crab claws that he's getting from Matagorda Bay. I mean, we think of kind of stone crab claws as a Florida thing. They're, they're available in Texas, and they were as sweet and succulent and meaty as anything I've had anywhere. I felt like I was at Joe's crab, like at Joe's in Florida. That's yeah. what I felt. I felt like I was there. High praise. Uh, and then the entrees, we got the jambalaya, which they do to order, and then the flounder almondine. I think I think the flounder was probably my favorite dish. That was my it was my favorite. It was so delicious. And you know, I won't sleep on the jambalaya. I'm not a big jambalaya traditionally fan, but if I were gonna eat, if I was gonna become a jambalaya fan, that jambalaya would be the one that would have me take me over to the other side. Right. Just with, I mean, just filled with seafood, crab claws and oysters and it's done shrimp. Well. Yeah. Just a, a really fantastic plate of food. So that means that we didn't get the captain's boat, which is the, the fried seafood platter that they do. That's kind of the, the one fifth Gulf coast version of a baller board. Yes. Uh, we, we didn't bother. Right. Uh, I would go back for that, but I wanted to try, some of the lighter stuff, some of the chefier stuff. Right. And then we started with their bourbon, right? Oh, like that's we right. Yes. Yeah. That We have to mention that because that was a wonderful start. If you were Yeah, Russell's Reserve, uh, 14 year, I think, or it was $14 for the poor, which is pretty mm-hmm. reasonable, um, either a 10 or a 12 year bourbon. And they have one that's a little smoother, one that's a little hotter. The B was hotter. The D was smoother. Yeah. Yes. Both extremely delicious. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, really, the only letdown... All right, so two other thoughts about this. First is the only real letdown was that buttermilk pie, just because the crust was kind of crumbly, and I thought the filling lacked... Like, I wanted more tang, right? If you tell me right. something to buttermilk, I expect it to be tangy. Well, you know, and traditionally, buttermilk pie is really sweet, that's it why I wanted you to. Wasn't. It wasn't really sweet. So if that were the only thing, I would be like, oh, it's okay. But then I don't remember seeing, we were talking about it, and one of the managers said, oh, that's because the crust is gluten free. I don't remember seeing that on the menu. It's not on the menu. And I think that they probably need to add that or that's a call out because it completely doesn't taste like traditional buttermilk pie. And, um, yeah, that was probably the only letdown because that coconut cake, though, oh, oh, was very yummy. Yeah, coconut <laughs> cake was excellent with the toasted coconut <laughs> on top. Um, yeah, and I guess that's a, that's a good segue into another restaurant that serves great coconut cake. Go- you, 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 the coconut, that was easy for you to say. All right, let's try that again. <laughs> that serves as a good segue into another restaurant that serves great coconut cake. Davis Street at Herman Park had Mark Holly on the show last week. He talked about his career and his journey journey to Davis Street. I then had the opportunity to go to a media and influencer dinner that they hosted and kind of tasted us through some of the highlights of the menu. You went on your own. Uh, so obviously I didn't have an authentic dining experience, but but how'd it go for you? What did you think of the the newly reopened Davis Street? Featuring Mark Holly. Featuring Mark Holly. And the Hallettes. And the Hallettes. I felt like, you you know these shows where you, you uh, it's the, like, Dallas or Dynasty, the reboot? I felt like it was Holly's the reboot. Literally, 
Um, I was just at Davis Street, but it was the Mark Holly show. It just was like I just stepped into Holly's. Um, I thought it was a good dining experience. I had, I went traditional. I'm like, let me go traditional because I'm looking at the menu and I'm seeing a lot of the things that used to be on the Holly's menu. Um, I started with the Parker Rolls, which I'm like, I had to get the Parker Rolls. Right. Soft, <laughs> fluffy, a little bit sweet. They come with that incredible house-made pimento cheese. Right. It's, that's insane. It's insane. So um, I started there. And then I quickly moved to the gumbo. Now again, let's be let's be clear with the people. Holly's had your favorite gumbo in Houston before it closed. It did. So it, it did. And it, and this is this is a dark brew. And what I what I like about it is that it it has fried oysters in it. Yes, which is always. A successful way to win my affection. Right. It's topped with the dork oysters. It has like the duck, duck confit kind yep. of. Oh, it's fancy um, gumbo. It's, it's fancy gumbo. So not traditional gumbo. Um, traditionally, that's going to give you big flavors with that dark, dark roux. Um, I would have to say it was good. Was it better than the one-fifth gumbo? It was not. Because I know what, and it could have been an off night. I know what that gumbo has been. Would I go back and get it? Yes, I thought it was good. But it just fell a little flat for me because I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my gosh, where I used to go just get the gumbo and some Parker Rolls. And um, it just was a little off, just a little bit off. But um, I will still recommend it to someone. All right. And then did you get anything else? And then I went um, one of the it's Simple Grill. And it's the fish of the day. So I did that. They were having, that day they were just doing salmon. I did that. And the coconut cake is always, if we were ranking coconut cakes, that coconut cake is pretty spectacular. That coconut cake is my <laughs> second favorite coconut cake. It's spectacular. Uh, but nothing is knocking off the Truth Barbecue coconut cake. For yeah, me. I know. That's that's your stuff. Um, I will say my the best dish that we ate at the media tasting, in my opinion, was the Alaskan halibut. Just pan-seared, really simple, with topped with, uh, topped with some crab meat. Just a, a pretty classic preparation, but but a very, a very nicely cooked, a very satisfying piece of fish. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does well. Yeah, um, I think he's off to a good start. They're yeah. rolling out brunch here really soon. Um, they're rolling out lunch in a little bit after that. You know, as as Mark said on the show last week, you know, he had other opportunities. He could have gone to a country club. He likes being in a restaurant environment. He's very personable. He makes people feel good. This is where he belongs, and I'm excited to see how it grows over time. Yeah, I want to see, um, I'm sure Mark will be listening, so he was busy that night, so I didn't get to put my opinions out, but I'm pretty sure we'll see his fried chicken Sundays. Oh, yeah, that's Imagine coming. some way. Yeah, that's coming. Yeah, so I know that's going to happen, and I would definitely say if you've never experienced that, you want to get on the list um, and try that because it's going to sell out. Every yeah. Every week's going to sell out. And then I want to see him... Um, Put some new stuff on the menu. I want to see him. One of the things he used to do at Holly's would, you know, he would try some stuff out, change a couple of things. I want to, I like the reboot, but I want to see some new stuff too. All right. 
Felice, that does it for the restaurants of the week. Before you get out of here, what's going on at swankymaven.com? Oh, Eric, you know. I you do, know. but it. You want to hear it for me, you know? Yeah. So we have a thing, Eric. You and I have a thing. You are, I have what is called Houston Barbecue and Brews Crawl coming up. And um, we're going to hit three of the spots that are three of my favorites. And they're actually on your list. I, well, I know you probably know their ranking. It's going to be Truth, Corkscrew, and Gatlin's Barbecue. So, you know, we cut the line. It's going to be curated. We're going to have doggy bags because everybody thinks they know how to do a crawl. But, you know, for the amateurs, where they can pack their stuff to go and we move on to the next. Then we're going to have Buffalo Bayou Brewing. They're going to do the pairings. And Eric is going to do what he does. He is going to be our food expert and talk food. Yeah, I'll be hanging out, answering questions, talking about kind of the current state of the food scene. Tickets are how much? The tickets are one fifty five. All you have to do is sit back. We do the driving, and that well, includes we the don't food. do the driving. There'll be a driver. <laughs> There'll be a driver. Right? We'll have a like a mini coach. And for the culture mad people that love us, we're gonna have a code, a discount code, twenty dollars off. The code is for the culture. <laughs> for the culture. Okay. See what I did there? I like that. <laughs> All right. So Tickets I will, are selling and they're fat they're selling fast. Half of them are already gone. Yeah. Follow Felice on Instagram, Swanky Maven for a link to that. And uh yeah, that's gonna be October nineteenth, right? October nineteenth. We're starting the the coach leaves at ten twenty. <laughs> Not 10.30, 10.20. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> It'll be a fun day. So come join, come join us and eat some good barbecue and drink some beer. Yeah. Felice, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. I will be right back with Lori Harvey and Chris Soule. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Lori Harvey and Chris Soule. Close enough? No, not even. Close not- enough. All right. They are the ladies of libation. They do cocktail consulting for a number of bars and restaurants around the city. Let me uh, let me introduce you one by one so that people can hear your voices. Lori, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Chris, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for the hospitality. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for doing this. Chris, why don't we kind of just start at the beginning? How did you become interested in the world of bartending? Uh, like most people that started bartending, I was bartending to pay my way through college. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I cut my teeth in a college town bartending at the, you know, one of two bars in the city. And I was fortunate enough after being there for many, many years to have the opportunity to move to Houston and be a part of groundbreaking team for Hotel Zaza. So that's it was a big step, but it was huge for me to get to the city. So where was so which college town? Nacogdoches, the oldest town in Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, all right. And then, Lori, how about you? How did you get started? Well, I was in hospitality when I was in college, and then I went on to get married and become a nurse. And then I uprooted my whole life and moved to Reno and started a roller derby league. And bartending was just (laughs) way more conducive to what I was doing at the time. So how did you make your way to Houston? Um, well, we went to Reno. My husband's from Reno, so we went to there for a couple of years, and then we missed Houston because they don't have Mexican food, so we came back. It's the queso. 
It's the queso. <laughs> you came back for queso. I mean, that's I, as I good a reason as I've ever heard. I legitimately came back for queso. All right. And then so how did, how did you two meet and decide to start working together? We worked together for the first time at Trinity. So at the time... Chris was a was working at NASA as a dive instructor, mm-hmm. and she missed the the fun life of bartending. And so she came and worked for me two days a week at Trinity, and that's how we met. And just you know, hit it off and worked really well. And we work really well together. So that's where it started. How were you a, <laughs> the shock? A, a dive instructor. <laughs> I was not expecting dive instructor. I, w- I was one of the um, I was one of the commercial divers at the neutral buoyancy lab, so the scuba divers that help the astronauts learn about the s- outside of the space station and were there for safety purposes. Um, and I honestly I just really missed making cocktails when I was there. I was there I'd I'd taken a, a hiatus from our industry for two years, and I got really burnt out and I needed to step back. And then when I went to NASA because that's my family history with scuba diving uh, I realized very quickly that as much as I loved my job there I, I missed talking to people and I missed making beautiful drinks and kind of the conversation that happens between guests and bar staff so I asked around and asked some friends where I should go and somewhere I could moonlight I didn't want weekends I didn't want to work late nights and I was told that Lori happened to have a home for wayward bartenders at Trinity Always. <laughs> yeah, you you collected a series of them. It was. I, I tend to do that. And it was a it was a great place. I was there for nine months with Lori, you know, two days a week just for fun. It was it was a blast. Yeah, Lori, I mean you've worked at a bunch of really great restaurants. I mean, you where were you before? How did you make your way to Trinity? Because I think that's when I met you. Um I worked I opened Philippe with uh, Vanessa and Chef Philippe. And so that was probably my first uh, job coming back from Reno. Actually, my first job, I worked at uh, Dolce Vita and I worked at Beavers for a short time. But then I went to Philippe and Open. And that's where I really started as, you know, a manager and a, and a director and, you know, things like that. Right. And then you didn't open Trinity, did you? Or? I did not. Trinity opened when I, was, when I wasn't there. Um, I came, I guess, about a year in. Yeah. And then you kind of oversaw the development that, you know, um, a restaurant with a very ambitious like culinary offering that wanted a bar program that sort of matched that. And eventually yes. they turned the bar into the sanctuary lounge and, and yep. tried to feature that. So yeah, that was sort of my baby. And it was really, it was amazing because I had some really amazing people working for me and we put out a very ambitious menu and we were able to execute it pretty well. Well ahead of its time. Definitely. The drinks we executed at Trinity, I feel like are, are some of those trends are just now coming around Definitely. in an interesting way. Right. So so for people who maybe either didn't go there or aren't like really plugged into cocktail trends, like what were a couple of the things you were doing that were sort of ahead of the curve? Um, we were smoking cocktails yep. back then, which was kind Seven of a new thing. Um, ingredients. We were making everything. That was the thing about Trinity was it was sort of a little um, haven for culinary artistic people. So... Working with the chefs there, you know, we would get all get together and come up with flavor profiles and things like that and figure out how to execute it. And we got to work in the kitchen a lot. So it was a different kind of bar program because it was very culinary driven. And they had all the I mean, that kitchen was so well curated. They had all the tools so we could sous vide things yeah. and wrap and infuse things. And, you know, it, it just gave us all the tools that a lot of 
kind of general bar programs don't have. You don't have kitchens that have all that stuff in the back that you get to go play with. Definitely. Bring to life. Yeah. I was lucky at Philippe if I could get a pot and a burner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you kind of learn to create cocktails or kind of or start making these house made ingredients? I mean, what you know what sort of inspired you? I am not I've never considered myself a very artistic person. Um, but then I found when I just started playing around with cocktails and flavor profiles and things like that, um, that I'm, I am artistic and I do have uh, talent for that. I think it's, you know, I cook and I'm a good cook, but really it was just a lot of trial and error and playing around, having fun. Mm-hmm. Chris, what about you? How did you kind of get, do you, do you cook at home? I mean, what kind of, what kind of sets you off in this direction? I dabble. Um, I've always, I've always really liked cooking and baking. And so for me, intuitively knowing and being really interested in spices and flavors and and flavor pairings I think lends itself to a really beautiful cocktail program because if you know that certain flavors play well together you can bring that to life in a cocktail you can replicate those friendships in other capacities if you love banana bread you know that banana and vanilla and caramel and cinnamon kind of all play well together so if you start finding you know, maybe scotches or whiskeys that have those cinnamon baked undertones and then you start bringing other flavors to the party, you wind up developing really interesting cocktails that also feel familiar to people and can bring back like nostalgic moments. So then where are you? I mean, I've, I've encountered your drinks at a few places. I mean, uh, Buff Burger is the first one that springs to mind. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Lori, you kind of got the the top spinning for... The cherry pie concepts, you know, so some of your, like, we could see some of your, your influence at, like, State Fair and 1751 CN Bar, even though it's not Starfish anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else have you worked on? Um, well, most recently, we uh, revamped the menu at Last Concert Cafe, which was, when I got the call for that, I nearly jumped out of my skin and actually said I would do it for free and course quickly reevaluated that but um, <laughs> I've been going to last concert cafe for 30 years and it's always been sort of a little oasis in Houston that I don't think people paid enough attention to so to find out that a group had gone in and invested and you know reworked the outside and the patio and the kitchen and they wanted to put in a real bar program I jumped at the chance yeah so what's the when you come into a place like that that's established as kind of its own thing What's the, what's the kind of ethos, you know, cause you don't want to, you don't want to ruin it, but you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to ruin what makes that place successful, but obviously it needed some updating. Well, the thing about last concert is they've always had, you know, their, uh, margaritas and things like that, but they didn't really have a bar program. You know, it was more of a call bar, you, get, you know, vodka sodas or things like that, or get their frozen margaritas. So it was really the first time that they've ever had an actual bar program put in there. And it was important, too, for people that haven't visited Last Concert Cafe recently, you should go check it out. Um, but they also just rebuilt a very large, beautifully executed container bar outside for their concerts. So for them, it was really important for us to give them cocktails for their crowds where they're getting hundreds of people for live shows that they can pump cocktails out quickly and they're delicious and they're the same every time. Right. So yeah. what did you create for them? So um, we did a couple of different margaritas. So the one I like the most. So if you've ever been to Last Concert, you know that they do a watermelon festival every, I think it's in June. And so it was really important for us to come up with a really amazing watermelon margarita. So we did. We have a 
<clears throat> Sandia Rita that has uh, mezcal and tequila and watermelon, which is everyone keeps telling me is now the new blue margarita. <laughs> oh, watermelon margarita. Homage. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I get texts a lot that it's amazing and uh, strong. Oh, right. I was going to yeah. say it's the new blue <laughs> yeah. margarita in the sense that three of them is like it's enough. enough to put yes. you on your. Yeah, that's what they keep telling me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we did that, and then we put in, you know, a rum, a blue rum drink that um, appeals to a lot of people that are there, frozen drink. And then we did some really fun punches for them. So we did um, the uh, nickel dance punch, and that is por- sort of a play on a mule. So it's prickly pear and ginger beer, and you can get it in, a, you know, individual servings. But what we did at last concert, we did uh, the punches where you could do the large format. So you get a really nice big punch Party to share size. with your friends. Yeah, and of course, if you know us, if uh, it tastes better when it's pretty, so everything there is you know beautifully garnished and looks amazing. It's got to look good on the gram. You got to do it it for the gram. You have to (laughs) taste better when it's pretty. Yep. Do you do you do you see pictures of the drinks on Instagram and you're like, hundred percent all the time. People, we keep getting tagged in all the pictures of the um, Sandia Rita, the pink one. Are pink frozen just because it has watermelon and spicy tahini salt over the top, and people are really, really loving that frozen. But yeah. Mama's Mangonada Punch is getting some traction too. It's really tasty and it has yummy, like chiboy candy sticks sticking out of the top, and fresh fruit and pineapple. And that's another fun party size punch that you can get. Right. And I know you you were recently at Buff Burger because I, I saw you and tasted some of that. <laughs> I mean, usually people go to a burger, they want. They want a beer, maybe a boozy milkshake. You know, how do you kind of come to a project like that and give them drinks that they like? What's the what's the conceptual process for what what works with a burger place that maybe enhances what they're doing? I think at a place like that, you know, you really have to make drinks that appeal to the to it's more casual setting. So people are there for burger and fries. The drinks need to be um, simple, easy to execute, approachable. Yeah familiar affordable affordable yeah Yeah. you know that's not the place you want to go put in a fancy you know smoked old fashioned no it's you know it's a margarita place and you know we have to make the drinks um easy to make because they don't have bartenders they have their you know their staff has to be able to execute it so that was a challenge and um but i think we did great and then we got frozen machines in there which you know makes everything easier change the game yeah yeah because you guys are doing a frozen watermelon cocktail that's yeah. out of this world what, thank you what is it it's deep eddy lemon deep eddy original vodka watermelon and basically like a limeade lemonade base so fresh citrus juice i mean that's the cool thing mm-hmm. about buff burger is that we're still able to give them really high quality ingredients they're using real fruit juice guys this isn't packaged powdered mix they're using real fruit juice in their cocktails um and, it, and they're simple. There's only maybe five ingredients in that whole batch. Yeah, and that's consistent with the quality of their food, right? They're getting their beef from 44 Farms. Mm-hmm. They're buying the produce from, you know, local vendors. They're baking their own buns. So Yeah, they don't take was, any shortcuts. It was really important to them that the cocktail, you know, menu that we gave to them matched their kind of integrity in their own menu and that they wanted to do things the right way, not necessarily the easy way. Right. And then you're also working on Memorial Trail Ice House, this kind of ambitious Very patio ambitious. bar yes. that's coming to Memorial Park. Yeah. <clears throat> Talk about that because the the owner admits he's never been in the hospitality business before. 
doesn't know anything about setting up a bar. What do you, how do you sort of come into a project that's basically a blank slate and make sure that, you know, not to put too fine a point on this, but like it doesn't get fucked up, right? Like it's got to be, it's (laughs) got to be a successful business for everybody going forward. Well, we were approached by John uh, to help him open the bar. And the more we talked to him, you know, sometimes it's really hard when someone comes to you and they want to do a project and they have no experience in the hospitality business because, you know, a lot of people think it can't be that hard. It's just a bar. But if you're in the hospitality business, you know, that's not true. Um, But he's also really open. He wants to learn everything about the business. He wants to know the things we know. And so when you're working with somebody who's excited to learn, then it makes that job a lot easier. But for us, I mean, he's really good at raising money. We've sold out our next seed campaign in seven seven hours. hours. Good Lord. Seven hours. We didn't even have a chance to do a marketing video because it was done. (laughs) (laughs) They, They put it up. So... You know, there's a lot of interest over there. He has got some really great investors who are really excited to, you know, put something special over there. He really cares about the neighborhood. He really cares about that building and the history. Um, so, you know, he's great on that side. And then he's going to let us, you know, do this, do what we do. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the project's still several months away, but kind of where are you in terms of the development or what are you thinking? We're working, you know, with uh, John, with the designers to figure out, you know, exactly how everything's going to look. Um, this is a full-scale consulting job for us, so it's ground up. Right. This is right. This is a every old detail. building yep. that doesn't have any infrastructure in it. Yep. So, I mean, so everything from like physically where the bar is yes. placed, what equipment to buy. Definitely, that's where we are now. Yeah. Just, you know, working through all of that, and then once it gets, you know, the build out gets finished, then we'll go in and do the regular opening stuff. You know, opening restaurants is sort of my thing. <laughs> yeah, you've got pretty good at it over the years. I've done it a few times. <laughs> and a few at a time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you have a favorite project of, of what you've done so far? Um, I would have to say Last Concert's my favorite, just because I have an emotional attachment to the the place. Yeah. Do you have like a dream project? Or are you waiting for someone to... We actually Funny have two dream projects <laughs> on the board. Unfortunately, we can't disclose the uh, you know detailed information, but... We got approached by a group that we're really excited to work with that's very successful and um, does a lot of things in a, several different cities. And they're opening a new concept and basically are giving us the ability to do a fantasy cocktail menu. So, I mean, upscale cocktail lounge with fantasy presentations, no holds barred. Yeah. Anything Make we it want. pretty. So that's and amazing. That is a dream. And then we got approached by another uh, client who uh, it's a genre we've just never worked in and we're really excited. So we're going to present for them this week. But. You know, we have a lot going on. Yeah. I, how do, I mean, how do people sort of find you? Do they, do they know you from your previous work? I mean, where do, where did the new customers come from? You know, really it comes from, there's a couple projects that we've had referred to us. We have no idea where they came from. Which is the best. We're still trying to we figure it out. find the referral person. But um, I think it's a lot of industry people. You know, Chris was on the other side of the bar for such a long time that she has a lot of, uh, you know, she knows everybody at every bar because she's been in every bar. Um, and then we just know a lot of people in the industry who have recommended us. A lot of the liquor reps or um, the people who own, you know, the liquor distributing companies have recommended us for jobs. We've just been really fortunate that word of mouth, I think, and Instagram. We joke because we've been in business now for Almost a year full time, and we haven't had time to make business cards. We one day we're gonna one get day it together we'll and have make business, business cards. cards. Right. One day you will need you will need that component of personal marketing. Yes, yep. that one is day. a business yes. card. But it, but 
apparently not yet. No, nope. right? so far Until we're then. doing okay, <laughs> and we kind of keep it as a joke that maybe if we get business cards, then you know everybody jokes you get a business card at your job and you get fired. So maybe if we get business cards, we won't get so many referrals. <laughs> so we just don't do it. When we retire one day, we'll make business cards that just have our name and number on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, when you're, I mean, when you're kind of kicking back, or when you want to go out for a great cocktail, like what are some of the places you? Who do you think's doing a good job out there? We knew you were going to ask this question. Um, one of our favorite places to kind of beat traffic, because we're both outer loopers, we like to go and sit at the bar at Nobis. Mm-hmm. We like we love what Sarah does, and so we like sitting there. Toasted Coconut's a new favorite. They also open at four, so for people that don't want to sit through traffic, you can go and have a great tasty bite. And yeah, a, a couple of yeah, an order of dumplings and a tiki cocktail. Steak yeah. tartare at, at Nobis, my favorite. That dill pickle bread situation that they do at Nobis. Oh yeah, for sure. It's so good. Yeah. And dessert, their pie is yeah. delicious. And and I should mention I'm contractually obligated that Sarah Troxel is our current Culture Map Tastemaker Awards bartender of the year. So. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> we love Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say we go there most often when we're trying to, you know, have a drink and go home. For for us we're neither what's funny is neither one of us are really big drinkers. So you know, I'd like one really well-made cocktail same so i need to go somewhere where i'm going to get that quality and then of course you worked with um i'm gonna blank on his name david who's now at david menez yeah yeah how's he i mean you kind of got that top spinning with the the gin forward cocktail program at starfish like how's he done kind of building on what you started he's done a great job you know uh i hired david when we opened pie and I knew when I hired him at Pi that he would be going over to Starfish. Um, you know, I guess for me, he, he has amazing knowledge. But for me, it's I like to watch people make cocktails. And David makes cocktails beautifully. And at Starfish, he really executed my vision um, amazing. I mean, I never had to, you know, follow up with him or check on him. He did a great job. And so, you know, when he took the job as beverage director for them, he seems to be doing a great job. Yeah. And the cocktails we had at 1751 were Yeah, beautiful. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah, they were they are delicious. delicious, absolutely. So they've done a, you know, they do a great job over there. And if you like martinis, you shouldn't be drinking them anywhere else. All right. What makes for a beautiful, when you say he makes, he makes cocktails beautifully, like what are the, what are the elements as people are sitting, sitting behind the, or sitting, sitting at the bar watching a bartender? Like what, what do you notice? It's a show for me. So it's, you know, they have to have you know, fluid movement, look like they know what they're doing, look elegant when they're making a cocktail, not like fumbling around looking for things. And, you know, so for me, it's a show when you're behind the bar, you're on stage and people are watching you. So you need to, you know, be organized, have your station set up properly. And that way, while you're making a cocktail, you're able to engage with your guest and they can watch that, you know, watch you do that. But I don't hire anyone unless I watch them shake a cocktail. That can make or break. It'll, it'll make or break the that, interview. If you, can, if, <laughs> if you can't shake a cocktail properly, I, I, I won't hire you. So what? How do you shake a cocktail properly? You'll know when you see it. <laughs> it's true. Like you really know when you see it when you watch them. Go to go to certain you know chain restaurants and watch them work in their well, and then go to a you know a, a, a bar that really takes pride in that and watch the difference between those two people making cocktails, and then you kind of get an idea of you know what that show should look like. It's a skill set and it's kind of a dance and really well executed cocktail programs are in that sense, they're choreographed beautifully where every 
move behind the bar has intention behind it and everything has a purpose. And then sometimes when you go places and they're maybe too rushed or the bar isn't designed very well. So all of their tools are spread out and they need the sink over here and they need to grab the bottles over here and it just takes too long and they look kind of jumbly. So it's kind of nice when you go and you get to sit somewhere and, and watch people put the show on for you and then put something in front of you. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's uh, the key. I, I was at a bar recently where they have one of those library ladders to get, you know, <laughs> bottles off the top shelf. And it's, I mean, like it's entertaining in a, in a way, but because it has that like element of danger, but it adds that like two or three extra minutes to every drink every time they have to go get another stupid bottle. It's like yeah, and then they have to put it back. Right. Then someone has well, it. and the right. thing the thing that's not great. Im- the yep. important for Chris and I whenever we do a program is that um, they can execute the cocktails in a timely manner. Nobody wants to wait ten minutes for a cocktail. Not anymore. It's I just mean, not a thing. It's it's irritating. So every you know whenever we do a menu, we we. We have ways to set up bar programs so that they can eliminate a few steps and make a cocktail fast and get it out there for people. Yeah, I like that that has become a trend where whether it's syrups or infusions or or whatever, like that work goes on behind the scenes before Mm -hmm. the bar opens so that when it's time to make the cocktail, it's, you know, squirt of this, spoonful of that, pour of this, and then shake, stir, whatever, and then it's to you in like a couple of minutes instead of, Oh yeah, five, eight, whatever. Yeah, the okay. only time the only time I want to Ramos Gin Fizz is on my birthday, right? And <laughs> or then, you just want to haze a bartender? Yeah. yeah, right. Or to haze a bartender. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're in New Orleans. Oh yeah, I mean, That's... I'll sit. I'll sit at uh, the bar in New Orleans, watch them make gin fizzes all day. Yep. Yeah. Do you have a favorite cocktail or a favorite to either drink or make? I- I'm an old fashioned girl, so it's all about the old fashioned, which. Seems like a really easy cocktail to make, but it's not. And that's kind of my, uh, if I go into a bar I'm not familiar with or I'm in a different city or I don't know, you know, where I am, I'll always order an old-fashioned first because while it's a really simple cocktail, it's also really sim- really easy to screw it up. And uh, if you can make a good old-fashioned, then I'll trust you with a martini, which is my second choice. Mm-hmm. Chris, how about you? I like a sidecar. <laughs> Which not a lot, it's, it's old fashioned in a different way, just because it's not on a lot of menus. It's, and Chris is a sucker for the frozens. Oh, and, and a frozen. If you have a frozen on your menu, I'll probably order that because not everyone likes to make a sidecar or knows how, but I can get a frozen pretty much anywhere. No, what's funny is uh, Felice ordered a sidecar. We went to one fifth Gulf Coast as we were talking about earlier on the show and they don't have a sidecar on the menu, but she ordered one and it came out. It's delicious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's my favorite. And yeah. anyone that's ever worked for me behind a bar knows that part of my bartender interview is you have to learn how to make my favorite drink. So by the time you leave my my stewardship, I guess, you will know how to make a proper mm-hmm. sidecar. All right. So what's the key to a proper sidecar? It's fresh juice. Always. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't, you can't shortcut it. And I think that's why yeah. I like it. There's no, you you just have to make it the right way. Not the easy way. You have to make the right way. Well, ladies, I have to say that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there something else you would like to discuss? Well, we do have something exciting happening. So we made a goal for ourselves for 2020 to get a a mobile cocktail bar on the road. And we found one. And it was sort of a kismet moment. We found one that has already been built out. It was an ice cream truck. So it's going to be a really easy conversion. We're going to get her name is Pearl. She's going to be beautiful. 
We're getting her road ready. And she's going to go in and get a little work done, and then 2020, she'll be um, on the road. Right, so you'll use her for, like, catering and events. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yep. Pop-ups, chef's dinners, special events and parties. Yep. We love a good party. Yeah, we're going to have to... uh, we're really I'm, excited I'm not. About I'm that. not responsible for booking any of the people at uh, the Tastemaker Awards, but I'll <laughs> I'll make sure that your our we, uh, our event people are aware of this. We will yeah. be. Yeah. Yes, we're excited, <laughs> and it, we're you know we do it for a lot of charity work too. So it's really right. nice to have because we can we can donate for you know charities that we care about. Mm-hmm. Awesome! It's exciting. Yeah, we're have really excited about well travel. Yep, that's my new <laughs> my new favorite. Um, all right. Well, before I let you get out of here, we have to do. What I call the lightning round. Dun, dun, five dun. easy questions, five short answers. Do we do we go every other one? No, no. Do you we each get to do all five. You can go in turn. <laughs> Chris, let me start with you. What is your favorite cookbook? Oh, actually, um, the Magnolia Kitchen woman out of Australia, she has a, a cookbook that's all baked items and goods, and it's fascinating because she breaks all the rules and make she's not culinary um, trained, so like she'll make curds by just putting everything in the blender and then just putting it over heat, and it works. It's magic. It's like a shortcut cookbook. Lori, how about you? Southern Living. Oh. Chris, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? <laughs> the Wallflowers opened for Cheryl Crow. <laughs> <laughs> very. That's very 1993. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, well. I'm old, so mine was Duran Duran in the Summit. Oh, that's, Ooh. A, that's a good When one. I was in the eighth grade. That's so a great answer. It was a really long time ago. All right. And when you went to school the next day, if you didn't have a voice, everybody knew you went to the Duran Duran concert. <laughs> Wait, didn't you just wear the Duran Duran concert t-shirt? Isn't that how oh, that no, you had, to, you had to wear the two button-up um, oh, car- shirts. That was, oh. Come on. Yeah. Chris, what is, your, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Whataburger. What do you get? Um, taquitos, bacon, egg, and cheese, because it's, I'm a sucker for things that have a picture on a menu and I don't, I don't eat a lot of fast food. I'm not, I wasn't raised on it. I'm not super familiar. I'm from a tiny town. We didn't have a lot of options. So I need pictures with menus and taquitos are available late night. So it's my fave. Lori? Dairy Queen Tacos. Oh yeah. Chris, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Sports ball. (laughs) Um, <laughs> we love the Astros. Go Astros! Good answer. <laughs> and then, finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what is your what are your go to toppings? What is your default pizza order? A margarita pizza is like my classic. You kind of can't go wrong. So basil, fresh mozzarella, good red sauce. Lori, how about you? Oh, I'm going to get so skewered for this. Um, Mine's called the Basic Bitch, and it is pepperoni, sausage, jalapenos, and pineapple. <laughs> You're not the first person to say pineapple. Do you get ranch on the side to dunk it? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Give us the, uh, the website and all the social media for Ladies of Libation. We are at Ladies of Libation on Instagram. We are at www.ladiesoflibation.com. And... Same thing, Ladies of Libation LLC on Facebook. So we're easy to find. Yeah. Or you can just search the hashtag, it tastes better when it's pretty. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at eSandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. 
This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. As always, I appreciate your comments and reviews, but like Katie Nolan always says, only if it's five stars and only if it's nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.